Consciously, a podcast focused on honest conversations for regular people seeking spiritual growth. Here's our host, Menachem Poznanski. Hey, Consciously family, welcome back. Acceptance, approval, autonomy, so much to talk about today. But before we get there, I want to thank you for joining us on the Consciously podcast and invite you to subscribe. Give us five stars and write a review. And uh, share us with your friends. Let uh, them know if you think that they could benefit from this about what we're trying to do over here. Also, check us out on social media, Instagram and Facebook, at The Light Revealed. Also, you can check me out at Menachem Puz. Also, check out our books, uh, Consciously, Six Steps to Living Vibrantly with Our Creator, and Stepping Out of the Best, a Jewish Guide to the 12 Steps. Uh, we love to hear from you. I love interacting with you, for those who have reached out. I really enjoy it. So uh, you can connect with us on Instagram at The Light Revealed, or you can just uh, old school email us uh, to the Light Revealed at TLRFamily.org. Okay, so the the title for today's episode is Acceptance, Approval, and Autonomy. And it's the last of a three part series that's hinged on the passage Anila Dodi, the Dodi Lee, which is the spelled out acronym of El. And we've been focusing on two particular teachings, uh, one from uh, the Lubavitcher Rebbe, and based on the teachings of his holy ancestor, the Balatanya, um, in the famous metaphor, the light, the king in the field, and also a teaching from Rabbi Nachman from Breslov and Torah Vav of the Kutim Aran, where Rabbi Nachman specifically addresses Ani Lidodi Vidodi Li. And what I really want to talk about today, which is a key component of relationships, I didn't say a minute ago. What we've been doing is looking at those teachings, which are obviously talking about our relationship with God and trying to tease out, flesh out some of the principles that are there that have to do with our relationships with others. So that's kind of how we've been framing it, and I'm enjoying that. So the next piece that we really have to talk about is the li part of anila do dividodi li. You see, in order to have anila do dividodi li, there has to be a sense and awareness of li, of what and who we are, a willingness to be ourselves, within the relationship, and a willingness for the other to be themselves within the relationship. Before we get there, let's just summarize a little bit the past two episodes and what we've been talking about. So we started off by talking about the king in the field, and over there we were talking about the way in which anila do dividodi li, which is the effort I make to engage my beloved God, uh, my spouse, my kids, my friends, my fellows, whoever it is, I make an effort, anila dodi, I reach out to them. And the Vidodi Li, which was based on a teaching of the Lubavitcher Rebbe, the normative context is Anila Dodi, I reach out to them, Vidodi Li, and they reach out to me. However, based on a nuance in the text, the Lubavitcher Rebbe pointed out that the Lidodi Li of Anila Dodi, Vidodi Li, really happens on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. So what he asked is, what's the Anila Dodi, Vidodi Li, mean the Vidodi Li, the way in which my beloved comes to me, that's actually reliant upon me, the Anilidodi of El, because El, in the teaching of the Rebbe, is focused on the efforts that we make to engage God. Vidodi Li is, is in Tishrei, uh, after Rosh Hashanah, which is focused on how we receive the way that God is coming to us. So what is the Vidodi Li of El? And the Rebbe pointed out that the Vidodi Li is hinged on this nuance in the metaphor of the Alta Rebbe, which is the Panim Sochkos, the, the warm countenance that the king has when you when when the subjects come to greet them to greet him in the in the field and when they notice that it, 
it causes a change. So in a relationship, we can make a move towards our beloved. And if we're not subtle and we're coming from too of a needy space, we won't notice that they received it well. We're waiting for them to give back to us. And that's a recipe for disaster or a recipe for not taking the opportunity to connect when we had that opportunity. So the Anila Dodi Vidodi Li, the first one of Hamelech Basad, of the king in the field, is the effort we make to see the way in which our beloved receives our love, particularly when we're coming out of a, a place of the midbar, of some kind of challenge, which is part of the context of that teaching, right? That we make the effort there, and instead of waiting for them to reciprocate, to see the way in which they receive it and appreciate that, value that, and come to love that. So therefore, it's something they're doing, so to speak, for us in the relationship, but it's reliant upon us. So that's the Anila Dodi, the other thing we talked about was based on the teaching of the Torah of Kuti Maran, which is really hinged on the particular aspect of that teaching that talks about the idea of Ratsu Vashov or Ratz Vashov, of running and returning, which has to do with the way in which we express a willingness in action to constantly engage the relationship. And the Ratz, the running, has to do with the, the passage in Tehillim, Imeisek, Shamaim, Shamata, that in our relationship with God, as good as our spiritual awakening might be, we don't want to rest on our laurels. We don't, we don't want to rely on, on yesterday's spiritual awakening. We want more and more and more, constantly upping the ante. And then the Shove is based on the uh, another part of the same section of Tehillim, which is Va'atziah Sha'ol Hineka, and when I go out into hell, there you are, God, which is the willingness that even when things are dark, even when I'm not feeling it, the willingness to have faith and trust that God is there for us and also true in relationships. And that's the willingness to receive the love or the acceptance or the forgiveness of our spouses. And we talked about, or our loved ones, our, our kids, our fellows, our friends, our parents, all those different kind of relationships. And we talked about how that relates to this idea of connection, attachment, and unity that occurs in our relationships, both with God, obviously, but also with others. Okay, so now what we want to talk about is actually another component of the Torah Vav teaching of Kutim Aram, but Rabbi Nachman doesn't explicitly express this idea of any Lododividodili, though it's obvious because it's the, it's the opening part of the passage, and I think it's a, I think it's a really, it's, to me, one of the most important teachings uh, that I've learned. And that has to do with the name of God of Ekya, Aleph Hey, and then Yud Hey which is the first name through which God introduces himself to Moses when Moses says to God, who should I tell them when God asks Moses to go to Egypt in order to tell the Jewish people that he's going to redeem them? And Moses says, well, they won't believe me. And eventually God, you know, convinces him to uh, take up his shlichas, to take up his missionhood. And Moshe says, well, who should I tell them sent me? And Hashem says, Ekya asher ekya, I will be what I will be. And which is the literal translation, which is a whole other thing. How could God be something? He just is, but that's a different discussion for a different day. What Rabbi Nachman talks about over there in the teaching is that that divine power, right, just like in all the teachings of Pneumius HaTorah, uh, the found, one of the foundation stones of the teachings of the Baal Shem Tov in particular, is an, an expression of the Pasuk, Mi Basari Echaza Loka, for my flesh, I look upon you, God, which is that everything that we talk about in divinity has a reflection within us, which is hinged on this whole idea for these three episodes. And everything that we see within us is reflected in the divine, right? And that reflects the earliest time that we meet humans when God says, I will make them in my image. So that literally when we look inside of ourselves, we can perceive, so to speak, divine realities that are really beyond our comprehension, but we can know them or at least 
grasp them a little bit because we've been there. We've experienced it. We can we experience God more than we can know God because God is bigger than any box we can put him in. However, the experience of God is something very, very acute and very powerful, and that's true for all divine concepts. So the the the, the spiritual name Ekya corresponds to a certain aspect of our human experience. And Rabbi Nachman explains that there's a general idea within Pneumius HaTorah, which is Panim and Achor, which means every idea, every concept, every spiritual reality has both a front-facing aspect, meaning a way in which we are engaging holiness, and a back-facing aspect, which means a way in which we are running away from holiness. And as relates God as well. We can be in a circumstance where God is, we've created the space where God can fully engage us from the front end. And on the other hand, we can engage a space where God is, so to speak, restricted by our limitations to receive, and therefore he has to give us kind of in a, in a backhanded way. He has to shower us with divine light in a backhanded way. So there's this idea of panim and achor, and this is present in our relationships as well. Sometimes we're in a place in a relationship where we're both leaning in. At the same time, we're both feeling it. We're both kind of connected. We're excited about the relationship and we're leaning in all the way. And that's a wonderful experience. And sometimes it's the other way around. Sometimes one of us in any relationship is in a down and struggling and kind of in a a protective kind of, I guess, fetal position. And the other has to come from from behind and give a hug and let them know that they love them. That's a, a punim and achor. And sometimes an achor has a negative context where one is upset at the other, so therefore they're turning their back on them and the other one is trying to appease them. So in this concept of ekya is this idea of punim and achor, which means a way in which the divine light, the divine essence, spiritual principle of ekya is present in panim, in a front-facing manner, and a way in which it's present in a back-facing manner. So panim of ekya and achorayim of ekya, the backside of ekya. And what Rabbi Nachman lays out there in such a remarkable and beautiful way is that really this ekya, which as relates us, has to do with our aspiration to dream who we want to be, but also the sense of shame or embarrassment about who we're not right, because Ekya is who I will be, so it's to some degree the response that we often have to a dark feeling inside, a moment where we come to grips, we look in the mirror and we realize we've made grave errors and we're not living the way that we should or we're acting in a way that we shouldn't or we've made other people upset and we don't know what to do with ourselves and now we're ashamed, we're embarrassed, we're filled with uh, a sense of guilt, right? So that's Ekya because we want to be, we're thinking What's triggered in our brain is a desire to be something else, but also reflective there is the aspirational uh, feelings that we often have to be more, a desire to be more than where we are stuck. I want to be more. I see somebody else maybe who's living in a way that I perceive their outsides um, without comparing too much my insides to their outsides. I notice their outsides and I see something that that I aspire to be and I, um, let's say, Right, particularly if a person encounters a tzaddik, and and the person is in, is inspired to try to live closer to that. That's an ekya. That's also a moment of ekya. And obviously, we're headed into Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, and that's a big part of the Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur service, the avoda of Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, is to think about who's who's the person that I want to be in the coming year. In fact, oftentimes people get stuck spending their entire Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur when they're just coming from a very toxic negative view of those holidays and all they think about is what they didn't do last year which is obviously important particularly on kipper right to think about what we 
how we fell short, but a, a major component of those holidays is also to think about where we're going, what we want to accomplish this year, why God, so to speak, should grant us another year, what, what, what we want to utilize the energy that he's going to grant us for. So all of that is wrapped up in this idea of ekya, of this sense within a person to be, to want to be more. So the question is, what is the more that we want to be? And what that really is hinged on, because that more, that want to be more, can either be terribly toxic, disempowering, and and can strip away our sense of self-esteem, or it can be very inspiring and aspirational and drive us to move forward. And how do I leverage the positive side of that desire for more and remove myself from some of those negative sides? And Rabbi Nachman explains, or I'm drawing from the teaching that he says, because this is a paraphrase. But Rabbi Nachman explains that there's two sides of Ekya. There's an Achorayim of Ekya. There's a dark side of Ekya, which is destructive, as we said. And then there's a Panim of Ekya. There's a, there's a frontal side of Ekya. There's a face side, a full facing of Ekya, where we're leaning into spiritual growth that draws us closer. We lean in closer to God, and God draws us closer to Him. We lean into the universe, and the universe draws it to them. We lean into our relationships and our, and the... Uh, people that we're in relationship with, whether we're coming from a state of negativity or positivity or leaning back into us, they have a sense that we're going in the right space. So the question is, what is this Acharayim of Ekya? And how can we get away from it? And what is the Panim of Ekya? What is the front side of Ekya? And how can we bring that into our lives? So the Acharayim of Ekya is really rooted in uh, a very dangerous statement, uh, which is, I encounter a negative side of myself and I think about who I should be. Now, should, should is a very, very dangerous word. Because when I talk about what I should be, when I should on my life, I think about who I wish I was. You know, I, obviously in the context of human language, we don't mean should. Should is not like an inherently toxic word, but it's oftentimes oriented that way, where we think about, oh, who I should be, meaning who, who I am not that I should be, and who I wish I was. And and when a person approaches life in this way, their mistakes in this way, what happens is that it leads us to a very destructive state of mind. It leads us to like thinking that we we should be somebody else. It's not an affirming statement. It's a destructive statement. And what happens when we think about ourselves that way is that we start to think about those around us that way. We start to get frustrated with the people who are around. Why aren't you making me who I'm supposed to be, who I wish I was? And this amounts to an inability to face ourselves and to accept the people around us. Because when we're thinking about who I should be, I start thinking about who they should be. And this is a journey where my growth is a process of trying to change myself instead of trying to change my behaviors and belief and allowing myself, which is wonderful and perfect, but woefully short of who I could be, to grow and evolve. The paradigm shift here is that when I'm stuck in the Achorayim of Ekya, I'm thinking about who I should be, meaning trying to not be that person, and therefore I'm trying to change myself. It's inherently disempowering. It's in, it's inherently stripping of my uh, inherent worth. It's stripping of my self-esteem, and it causes me to look at others in a very, very toxic and negative way. The Panim of, Ek- of Ekya is very, very different. The Panim of Ekya, you see, makes space for us to welcome ourselves in, to validate ourselves, to have a sense of our own inherent worth. And it allows us to, to welcome others in to a process of growth and evolution, personal growth and evolution. You see, Panim is about who I aspire to be. And really, that's about who I really am 
and then who I am destined to become. And when I, when I think about growth meaning, so I encounter a negative experience, a negative mistake, and I, and I look at myself in the mirror and I say, wow, I really fell short of myself. I let myself down. I let my family down. I let the people in relationships down. I let God down, right? Which is not a statement of me being less than, but rather me being more. I deserve to be better. I'm destined to be better. I'm called to be better. I could be better. And in this frame of Ekya, the I will be, the more that we desire, it doesn't restrict someone's sense of self-esteem, but rather it inspires their self-esteem. And this makes tremendous space for adapting the mo- um, our moment-to-moment behavior to what our aspirations are, meaning focusing in on changing our behavior, move a muscle, change a thought, uh, engage positive action. But at the same time, it leaves space and compassion for us to grow and evolve into the person that we're meant to be, right? We gain a vision of who we might grow to be. And at the same time, we can focus in on this moment of what can I do right now in this moment? So the, the Ahurayim of Ekya is a destructive energy, a more, a desire for more that strips away our, our, our focus and our um, ability to be in the moment. And it strips away our self-esteem and pulls us away and makes us feel less than. And the Panam of which is the same desire to be more, is one that affirms our inherent worth, our destiny to do better, inspires us to take action in this moment, and acknowledges that we are on a destined, we are in an odyssey towards becoming the, the man, the woman, the person, the father, the son, the, the, the husband, the, the wife, the student, the, the teacher, the, the Eved, that we are destined to be. Now, the question that this leaves us with is how? Okay, so, so I get it. Okay, so Ahurayim of Ekya is destructive and negative. It doesn't work for me. And Panam of Ekya is good. It's positive. But how do I engage the the Panam of Ekya and avoid the Ahurayim of Ekya. And Rabbi Nachman does a beautiful paradigm shift and he says it has to do with whether a person is channeling Dam, Dalad Mem, Dam, right, with one type of Nakuda, one type of vowel, right, which is blood, or Dom, right, which is a different Nakuda, it's an O, right, which, it, which refers to silence. Rabbi Nachman says that if a person is channeling this place of Dom, that means what, what's happening, he's being driven, he or she is being driven by their emotive instincts, which the blood reflects, our heart reflects the space of our emotive self. And that means we're being driven by our feelings. In, if we're being driven by our feelings, then, then we're in a space where we need to run from the discomfort of admitting our fault and engaging others and what happens is we engage others in a defense in a state of defensiveness and attack. You see, someone will come, let's say, and say, Menachem, why did you do that? And if I'm driven by my feelings, if I'm feeling driven, if I'm stuck in Dom, then my automatic reaction is to protect myself. And now I go on the attack back at them. Well, you think I did that? Well, what about you? And we engage in things like whataboutism. Well, what about when you did that? I know maybe I'm wrong at best. This is the best scenario. But you were wrong there and there and there. Or I was wrong because you were wrong first and I was just reacting to you. Or we can't even think at all because we're so lost in the passion of anger, in the boiling of our blood, that we're stuck. And the result of that, the result of that emotive first reactionary response mechanism is that after that calms down, what we're left with is an achorayim of Ekya. Ugh, I'm such a loser. Ugh, can't believe I did that. We feel empty and alone, even, once, even when we've attacked the other and they end up on the defensive 
deep, deep down inside, and we've all had this experience, I'm sure, maybe not all of you, but I'm sure many of you have also had this experience, where deep down inside you know that you're the one who's wrong, and you feel empty and exposed and, and lonely in the universe, and you're not sure who's right and who's wrong. You're stuck in the dom. Rabbi Nachman says the dome, the silence is a different thing. The silence is the ability to face harsh truths and admit when we're wrong. So the, the difference between channeling akia, uh, punim of akia, instead of acharayim of akia, is our ability to learn a capacity to face harsh truths and admit when we're wrong, which doesn't mean saying I'm sorry. We didn't even get to I'm sorry. It's just saying, oh, I'm wrong. You're right. You're right. And I'm wrong. But almost as important, there's also that ability to face that that humbled, compassionate, and yet vulnerable space of acknowledging what our needs are, acknowledging where we want to go, acknowledging the ideals that we have, the person that we hope to be, and the fact that we're not there yet, or the nature of where we want our relationship to be, and the fact that, that we're not there yet. And that's a very painful thing. The emotive reaction to that is oftentimes very uncomfortable. But it's our capacity to sit in that moment of discomfort that allows us to then transition to a state of panem of akia. So the hinge in Rabbi Nachman is our ability, is our capacity to face that initial emotive reaction. And the question is, do we get reactive or do we slow, slow it down, experience the vulnerability, the frustration, the desire to be something else? tolerate that, sit in that, and then reframe ourselves back towards a place of the fact that I am frustrated with this relationship is a reflection of the fact that I believe that this relationship could be more. I believe that I could be more. I believe that, not that I could be more, like I could be more of a person, but I could be more myself. There's strengths that I have that I'm not actualizing in this relationship. Maybe there's strengths in my spouse or in my parent or in my child that are not being actualized in this parent, in this relationship, so that my frustrations are not a reflection of a lack of faith in others, in myself, in our relationship, but rather an abundance of faith that perhaps is rooted in some type of um, false expectation. Maybe I want too much. That's something I have to evaluate. But before I can even get there, the first question is, can I sit in that space of tolerance and then say, Ek yeah, I could be more. This could be more. The relationship could be more. Let me think about it. Who's actually wrong here? Who's right? Who's wrong? What could we do better? What could we do better next time? Now, automatically, the whole dynamic of the circumstance, of the interchange, of the frustration has changed, and we, we can transition from a place of problem fixation to a place of solution fixation. It changes the whole dynamic. We transition from a state of achorayim of akia. I wish you would just be somebody else. I wish I could just be somebody else. To a panim of akia. I desire to be who I am destined to be. Join me in this journey. Let's grow together. Let's have an experience together. Let's be friends. Let's be on the same page. Let's be on the same team. Let's not fight each other. Let's fight the problem together. Let's find solutions and let's grow and evolve and be more than we could have ever imagined. Let's reveal the beauty of the relationship that we both want, the beauty of the life journey that God wants for us and we want for us that, that is yet to be revealed, which is the source of our frustration in the first place. So in this space, the Ani Lidodi, Vidodi Li, is this transition phase of whether I can be present in that moment of Ani Lidodi, Vidodi Li, meaning be in that space, that this point of Panim and Achor, Panim and Achorayim of Ekya, I think, occurs in between the space of Ani Vidodi, 
It's that space in between us. Can we stand in that space? Can we be present in that moment and tolerate the discomfort? And what you'll find is that the discomfort is tremendously powerful. It actually generates tremendous desire and connection and attachment and growth. It allows us to notice what's going on in that moment, to notice the reaction pattern that the other has. They're so frustrated because they want so much more. And what happens is there's a reciprocal reaction pattern where then they start to notice. So, right, we can create that space in between the dome. We can create space for the feeling that opens the door for a further sense of connection and love and unity. It enhances our relationship with God. It allows us to leap in to the new journey ahead that starts on Rosh Hashanah, to the new year where we're going to be become the person that we're meant to be next year, not the person we're meant to be in the rest of our lives, because that's going to take the rest of our lives. But we can truly become, finally, we can strip away some of the layers of self that have held us back this year from being our full self that we're capable of right now. And in this coming year, we can let go of all those old ideas and old conceptions and old feelings, the resentments and the fear and the shame. We can abandon those and we can leap into the new year in a state of love in a state of akia, panim al panim, face to face with ourselves and with God. Have a great week, and I want to wish you, each and every one of you, a chasiva, a chasim, a tova, a good year filled with blessing and happiness and joy, and a fulfillment of that ultimate space of akia that each of us should experience, A, in this Rosh Hashanah, a moment of awareness of who we are meant to be and a sense of, uh, a, and a desire to grow towards that person, and God willing in the year to come, an ability to look back where we can say, wow, I really, I really did something this year. Wow, it's true. I made mistakes, but I'm actually a much bigger person than I used to be. Thank you for joining the Consciously family. Consciously is brought to you by The Light Revealed, a social media publisher bringing messages of Jewish spirituality and recovery to whoever is looking for them. Consciously is made possible by the kindness of the Capellius family in memory of Tepora Bas Ravaron. Our producer is Morty Schwartz. Our audio engineer is Alps. And our artwork is by Tani Puz. Our social media team is led by Tehil Nassanian with help from Zoe Poznanski. The assistant to the regional co-host is Shmaya Hanekman. And our music is by Eitan Katz featuring Zushi. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you can give us a review and subscribe on Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever else you get your podcasts. We love connecting with you, so please feel free to email us at consciouslythepodcast at gmail.com or private message us on Instagram or Facebook at The Light Review.